You may be seated. Uh, this morning, we literally end uh, the long and winding road uh, because we enter into the book of Joshua together. And in the book of Joshua, uh, we encounter Israel entering into the promised land, uh, finally the, the promised land that they have been granted. Now granted, uh, if you're reading along with us, and even if you're not, the stories uh, of entering the promised land aren't as simple as waltzing into an empty place, um, but they're actually stories of conquest and conflict. And uh, the irony of that, as I was preparing to preach this week, could not have been thicker uh, as we heard real stories of conquest going on in the world. And so I recognized that uh, in coming. I was literally writing my sermon in the midst of President Biden speaking about uh, the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine this week. And, and it was just some uh, very strange place to be as I was reading these stories of conquest along with you this week. But I want to invite us to, um, to hear these stories uh, and, and to think through uh, what God might have to say to us, even in the midst of the, of the global conflict occurring um, as, as we read these stories from Joshua this morning. Here now, Joshua chapter 1, the first verse. After Moses, the Lord's servant, died, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Nun's son. He had been Moses' helper. My servant Moses is dead. Now get ready to cross over the Jordan with this entire people to the land that I am going to give to the Israelites. I am giving you every place where you set foot exactly as I promised Moses. Your territory will stretch from the desert and the Lebanon as far as the great Euphrates River, including all Hittite land up to the Mediterranean Sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you during your lifetime. I will be with you in the same way I was with Moses. I won't desert you or leave you. Be brave and strong, because you are the one who will help this people take possession of the land, which I pledge to give to their ancestors. Be very brave and strong as you carefully obey all the instruction that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't deviate even a bit from it, either to the right or left. Then you will have success wherever you go. Never stop speaking about this instruction stroll. Recite it day and night so you can carefully obey everything written in it. Then you will accomplish your objectives and you will succeed. I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? Don't be alarmed or terrified, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We think that we want the simplicity of transactional relationships. I give you $5, you give me a sandwich. I give you dinner and a movie, you give me intimacy. We even think that we want a transactional relationship with God. I give you obedience, you give me an easy life. We don't necessarily recognize that this is our hope with God. But in some ways, we want the easy road that this seems to promise. And when we read Joshua and even the book of Deuteronomy before it, we could misread the relationship of God's covenant with us as something that is transactional. Something like God saying, you follow the laws, and I'll give you an easy life. I've heard pastors at the end of sermons present the idea of having a transaction with God. Essentially, they've encouraged me to say, if I just simply pray a prayer then God gives me salvation. 
In this way of thinking about God, this transactional way, God becomes more like a vending machine. I put a quarter in my prayer, and out comes salvation. The problem is that life and our relationship with God are far more dynamic than that. And God does not give Israel the law so that they can earn his love. No, God wants Israel's complete devotion and worship. God wants Israel to be fully dependent upon him because that is the best course for their well-being and thriving as a people. So I'd like us to look at the opening of this book of Joshua and search out what we can learn about God and God's steadfastness towards Israel. And as we see God's faithfulness to Israel, we can begin to grasp God's constant love for us. God tells, God tells Joshua here, I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. Now, wait a minute. Moses literally had had the ear of God. Moses led the people of Israel up out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Moses led the people to receive the manna and quail in the desert, oversaw the building of the tabernacle, and received the law from God. At this point in their journey, the people of Israel may have been very afraid to go forward without Moses. And we learn in verse 1 that Moses has died. And there is tension in this very brief statement in the historical context. Moses is dead, so how will Joshua do? Does Joshua have the same chutzpah to lead the people of Israel? Can Israel enter the promised land under a new leader? Moses is forever one of the great ones in Israel's history. He showed up in our transfiguration story today, right? The big three of the Old Testament are probably Moses, Elijah, and David. And even if someone is reading Joshua hundreds of years after these events, they are likely wondering, how will Joshua pull this off? The way that Joshua can pull this off is only by God. In this introductory speech to the entire book of Joshua that kind of sets up how this whole thing is going to play out, there is one speaker, the Lord. This reminder to Joshua is not to put him under pressure. It is to assure him, I was with Moses, God says, and I'll be with you just the same. This conquest that Joshua is about to lead to take the promised land, that is all led by God. This book of Joshua and the broader story of Israel in the Old Testament is a theological history. By theological, I simply mean that it is the story of God. This is not the story of Israel first. It is the first the story of God. And by God's grace, it's also the story of God's binding, God's very self to this people of Israel. This is the story of God at work in the world, among and within and through and in spite of God's people. God's promise to be with Joshua, just like Moses, is the promise that God's covenant continues. That covenant was not dependent on a leader, even one as faithful and as tenacious as Moses. The covenant is grounded upon God. What does Joshua have to do in order to uphold this covenant? Should Joshua be running military drills to make sure the troops are ready to lay siege to these cities? 
Should Joshua be entering himself or members of his family into strategic marriages with other nations to ensure military protection and dominance? Those would be the logical things to do. But that's not how God encourages Joshua to go about things. The only thing that the Lord instructs Joshua to do is this. Never stop speaking about this instruction scroll, this Torah. Recite it day and night so you can carefully obey everything written in it. When rabbis would study the scriptures, they would often mumble the words to themselves over and over again, repeating them throughout their day. These words of the covenant became a type of mantra, one that rabbis would not have to look up chapter and verse 4 because they were dedicated to memory. I've had seasons in my own life where I've memorized portions of scripture, not as many as these rabbis, but some of the most meaningful prayers that I pray have been because I murmured the words of Psalm 63 to myself over and over in my freshman year of college or found myself memorizing Psalm 42 in a season where I needed to know God's hope and life in the midst of difficulty. Those words come back to me time and time again, the words of life. Jewish tradition in Deuteronomy encouraged the people to literally have pieces of the scroll on their foreheads and wrapped on their arms. You may have seen this if you've seen an Orthodox Jew and how they're dressed. To meditate on God's word constantly. God tells Joshua here to obey all of the instruction that he has given. And at this point, as Joshua is poised to enter the promised land, Israel has been given all of the law. They have no excuse for not knowing it and being devoted to it. So Joshua, in order to be the leader that God has called him to be, has one role, to stay faithful to the Lord. He is to model this absolute faithfulness to God in front of the people, leading them in singular devotion to the Lord. However, we learn that this task is not going to be easy. The quest of the promised land is not as simple as just walking into the land after going through the Jordan River. For this land is occupied. And the job of occupation and conquest is not going to be easy. Here's what God says. I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? Don't be alarmed or terrified because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's the promise. God does not say that this is going to be easy. But God promises that he will be with Joshua the entire time. And here we encounter our biggest problem and our biggest challenge when we read the book of Joshua and some of the forthcoming books in Scripture. Because at first glance when we read them, a lot of parts of this book are going to sound like God condoning and even leading a genocide. This picture of a God who would completely come in and take out all of the Canaanite nations does not square up very well with our understanding of God as loving and peaceful. So what do we do? How can we read these difficult parts of Scripture? Well, first, the violence in these passages does not justify our violence or destruction of others. We must not take these passages and use them to then embark on our own holy wars. That would be a dangerous misreading of the text and one that has been used to perpetuate awful things in our world's history, such as the Crusades. But how do we understand God's demand of the conquest of these peoples? Canaan was known for their moral corruption and even for child sacrifice. 
God could not stand any of these things being in his sight. Also, in the first half of Joshua, we hear God calling for the entire destruction of everyone in all the lands of Canaan. However, in the second half of the book of Joshua, it divides up the land among the 12 tribes, and we learn about the ways that the people of Israel are supposed to live in relationship with the Canaanites who remained. The language of all-out destruction is considered historical hyperbole and was often found in other historical documents of that time. In other words, nations would say they had utterly destroyed another nation when they actually had not. In fact, some of the nations and people had opportunities to repent and join God's people. Finally, this is a unique moment in history where Israel is taking Canaan, the land God had promised to them. And this particular historical moment does not justify all future destruction and violence. This, con this conquest is going to be hard fought for Joshua and the people of Israel. Well, we read it, and it sounds like it may have taken just a few days when we read through it. This was actually a multi-year campaign. So the command to Joshua to be brave and strong was not just for a short time. It was an encouragement to Joshua that the Lord was with him for the long haul. If Joshua remained brave and strong, it did not mean that all of his troubles would go away. No, it simply means that God is present with him and with God's people. Friends, God's covenant promise to you is not that life will be easy. Sometimes I think that we think that when we give our lives to Christ that somehow our lives are going to just go better. Or if we're faithful, then nothing bad will happen to us like we're insulated from that. And friends, that's not the promise of Scripture. God's promise, rather, is that God always abides with us, as Jesus will say in John 15, and that we can abide with him. It is not a transaction that we enter. The covenant that we enter is not a quid pro quo agreement. We don't actually want transactional relationships, other than maybe when we're buying a sandwich. We want the dynamic and trusting partnerships that come from knowing a partner through thick and thin. We want to be able to rely on God's promises even when we have not completely fulfilled ours. God is with us. God is with us, and we can't try to fight alone. Friends, be brave and strong, because God is with you. And God is actually the one fighting. And God is always faithful. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.